0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Fantasy scoring for tight ends has been a disaster this year. There are very few safe harbors. We'll talk about that. And we'll talk about the, all our week five conundrums and ranks coming up on the Wire Fancy Podcast with John Helpcamp joining me on the podcast. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Circa and Rival Fantasy. I'm Jeff Erickson here with John Hellcamp, who is now part of the Rotowire and GDC family. Happy to have John aboard, and we were talking last night on Twitter about uh, the disaster that tight end has been so far this year. And uh, I, I just had a random tweet, and John t- chimed in, was like, "Hey, let's do a podcast about this." So here we are, John. Welcome to the show. How you doing, man?
2: Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it's funny how how it just came together organically based off a conversation about the most frustrating position in fantasy football. So yeah, excited to get into it. It's, um, it's always fun to discuss, even though it's kind of gross because tight ends are, are infuriating at times. So we're going to try to provide some, some wisdom on the situation and help our listeners out here. Exactly. So looking at scoring for a
1: fancy tight ends, it depends on whether you're doing PPR or, or uh, standard, but like Hawkinson's number one in PPR leagues. Mark Andrews is number one in standard leagues. Actually uh, Travis Kelsey obviously missed a game, but so did Andrews. Uh, but we've had some high profile busts, whether it's Darren Waller or Dallas Goddard, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts is probably the one that causes the most
2: angst, but Goddard and, and Waller have been just as bad so far. Yeah, they really have been Um, Darren Waller going to a new situation. You never know how that's going to work out. And I, I think there was obviously a lot of hype about him going to the giants, but the one that's baffling to me is Dallas Goddard. I mean, he was so dynamic last year and so important to that offense. And then you look at him through four games and he's done seemingly nothing with having a decent amount of volume. He has 19 targets, on the air has caught 13 of them, but he only has 88 yards and no touchdowns. So in PPR, maybe he's still giving you a little bit of value based on those catches, but if you're not in a PPR league, he's giving you goose eggs almost almost every week.
1: Yeah, and it's really frustrating. Even in a PPR league, he's not even helping that much. I saw Goddard on the waiver wire in one of my leagues where I picked him up as a Yahoo league, so maybe a different threshold than say like the NFFC where you know you have 20-man roster spots, but I've seen Kyle Pitts cut in a separate league I, people are getting frustrated out there. There's a lot of blood in the streets.
2: Yeah, there are uh, Kyle Pitts, everyone's favorite dynasty unicorn darling coming out of university of Florida. Um, I have no idea what Atlanta is doing with him. Um, the bad quarterback play certainly doesn't help his case, but the play calling isn't helping him any either. I, I think he's probably the most infuriating asset to own in, in fantasy football.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, right. And, Waller's not too far behind because of all the buzz he got in the preseason. You know, we're like, Ooh, Darren Waller, he's uncoverable. They're taking him off the field or, you know, it's just here, here we, here we go again. Now he's staying in the block. He's not getting as many targets. He got a second target with six minutes left on uh, Monday night. And maybe that's an anomaly, but maybe Andrew Thomas comes back and they block marginally better. I mean, it it can't get much worse. Hard to not get better, but still.
2: Yeah. uh, The worst beat of the fantasy football season that I've had so far was going toe to toe with, uh, with Darren Waller on Monday night football. And I lost by under a point because of the two catches that he had late in the fourth quarter.
1: It appears I'm having some mic issues right now. Bear with me as we, we, we deal with this, but uh, trying, trying to work this out real quick here, but, uh, anyhow, um, John, keep talking a little bit if you can uh, uh, yeah. about some of the tight ends that are struggling before we start talking about Dalton Kincaid.
2: Yeah, I think we'll just uh, keep going a little bit on, on Waller and Goddard. I, I think Gollard's usage is a little bit annoying because we expected so much out of him in such a high flying offense, with the Eagles, you know, they've been so dynamic and featured him so much last year, but when you look at the receiving stats, for Darren Waller pull it up and his usage like I said has been there with a little bit of the passing volume but when we're talking about Darren Waller I think you hit it on the head when you said that the pass blocking is a big aspect they're keeping him into block because the offensive line has been so atrocious, and that didn't even slow anything down on Monday Night Football. So, hopefully, they can get some stuff together in their in their pass blocking, where they can free him up and allow him to to run some more routes. He's the best weapon that they have on offense outside of Saquon Barkley, and Barkley wasn't even on the field on Monday. So, I don't know what they're doing by not getting him the ball, but I think it comes down to to playing scared in terms of keeping him in until late in the fourth quarter where they finally had him run a few routes and he caught a few passes. So maybe it's a harbinger of good things to come. Maybe Waller is going to be a little bit more involved in the offense, but yeah, the tight end position is, is pretty, pretty gross to start the year.
1: It is. So of those three, Waller, Goddard, Pitts, who are you least
2: encouraged by? Who Who is someone where you feel like you have to act if any of them? I think Pitts is the one that I'm least Uh, confident in, not because of his ability, but because of the quarterback play and the play calling that they have. uh, Bijan is their offense. And then everything else is secondary. Sometimes, I mean, Drake London, same thing. I know we're talking about tight ends, but Drake London, also incredibly talented pass catcher. right? And he's basically a touchdown dependent flex play right now. So I don't know what is in store for those pass catchers for Atlanta based on the quarterback play. You already have the head coach taking questions about whether or not they're going to stick with Desmond Ritter or if it's time for Taylor Heineke to come in and and try to revive the offense. So I think it's a very bleak outlook this year uh, for Kyle Pitts out of those three.
1: Yeah, and I don't even, you know, and I think Heineke will be an upgrade over Ritter if they do make that change. But, you know, I don't think in Atlanta he would thrive as much as he did, say, in Washington. I, I think some of the problem is also how Atlanta handles their quarterbacks, how they run their offense hard for a quarterback to develop. I feel like in their system.
2: Yeah, it is. They've been scratching their head ever since Matt Ryan left. Um, hoping that Heineke was a mid round gem for them, but it doesn't look like it. And uh, you know, Heineke might be able to to come in or I'm sorry, Ritter mid round gem, but Heineke might be able to come in and play a little bit better. You're right, but I'm not expecting any sort of major statistical differences if mm-hmm. they swap out the quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. that And that's, that's where I'm uh, arriving at there. So I'm not cutting pits, but man, I'm looking for alternatives. I am. I, I, and the NFFC primetime league, you know, Hey, he fell to me at 99. I'm like, and that was totally, it turns out that was the sucker play. And I was like, Oh, I can't pass that up. Can I, Oh,
2: I can't. There, there's always someone that believes in Kyle pits. It just happened to be you. That's <laughs> why so, I have like
1: 20 I... leagues, John. And that's the only league yeah. where I got him. I was like, I was priding myself. on like, I'm not going to fall for that banana on the tailpipe. I'm not going to fall for Kyle Pitson. Here we go. I fell for him there. And yep. it's only my most expensive league. Uh, so, oops. You know, oops. And, and I, I wasn't planning on going with him. It just happened to be there. It's like, ah, I got to take it, right? And No. And it, and there weren't too many good successes in that same round, in that range, anyhow. But still, it's, it's the opportunity cost. It's, you know, not getting Sam Laporta later because I'm not going to spend that second pick. And turns out, Sam Laporta... Jake Ferguson, these are two guys that you're pretty happy with. You're pretty content with if you got those two.
2: Yeah, I think content would be a massive understatement. I think especially with Sam LaPorta's doing as a rookie tight end. Um he's doing what we want every what, the people who hype up the rookie tight ends that come in, Sam LaPorta is doing what they right. hope that their favorite tight end prospect is going to do. And LaPorta is just been so dominant. He's got the fo- fourth most targets at the tight end position with 27 of them. And he is averaging 2.3 yards per route run, which is the most for any tight end in the league with at least 10 targets to start the year. Exactly. So he's getting That's volume. Um, and that, it's
1: and, and it helps that Jamison Williams was suspended. Josh Reynolds was gimpy one game. So Laporta became the default number two wide receiver. Uh, and St. Brown, by the way, is banged up this week. We may see a lot of targets again this week.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're right. Jamison Williams is on his way back. They're going to get him involved, but I think that he he's not going to start off being a high-volume guy. Sam Laporte has earned it. I think that they've shown that he's what they need their offense to run through the middle of the field while having Amon Ross St. Brown cooking as well. It gives them two options to attack the the middle of the field and allow Amon Ross St. Brown to move around a little bit more. So Sam Laporte has been incredible. Um, I think there's nothing showing that he's not going to be able to keep that pace up as we go forward. Right. Um,
1: I'd be very happy with that. Uh, tell me more about Dalton Kincaid. He was your yeah your- everywhere, and you think this is the week that we finally start start to see that investment
2: pay off? I I do. Uh, I love Dalton Kincaid. Um, like many people, I had him ranked above Sam Laporta, although I love Sam Laporta too, out of Iowa, the tight end factory. Um, but Dalton Kincaid here here's why there's some reason for hope. I took notes this morning because there's a lot of reasons why. So last week he had a 20% target share in the Buffalo offense, which is super encouraging. He has 15 catches on only 17 targets uh, through four games, which is tied for the third most receptions by a rookie tight end in first four games of their career in the last decade. Uh, The thing that is really encouraging to me is that he's overtaking Dawson Knox. So last week, he ran Kincaid ran 23 routes on Allen's 29 dropbacks and Knox only round ran 14. So we're seeing that they're wanting to favor Kincaid more. He's more athletically gifted. He's proving that he has sure hands. So I think Allen's getting confidence in targeting him more and he's, way too athletic for Buffalo to keep using him on this low depth of target situation, which is how they've been using him so far. So I think that everything's lining up. I think his role is going to continue to expand and he has a really favorable matchup against Jacksonville who has allowed the second most fantasy points per game to the tight end position so far this year.
1: Yeah. And like even John o. Smith you know, P- Pitts couldn't have a great game, but John o. Smith at least had a pretty solid game against them there. Uh, and by the way, there's some suggestion that Pitts is not 100 percent with that knee. And I, that also concerns me, too. Uh, Kincaid's not on the waiver wire in most leagues and he's most seriously serious leagues, at least, because he's had his patron in every draft. Uh, right. You're 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 not the only one that saw his talent coming in. It's just now a matter of waiting for when you're going to realize it there. But I'm with you. It's a good trade time. So I guess the, the idea now is how do you construct a trade, to land him
2: on your roster if he's not on your roster in the first place? I think it's going to be really hard because the person who has Kincaid probably believes in him. That's probably why they have Kincaid as a rookie tight end, because they know the talents there and the offense is a great one for him to be in. So I think you're going to have a hard time prying him away from the person who rosters him. But if you can, I don't know, would you trade a a higher named tight end that's not producing like a Dallas Goddard, like we talked about earlier, for a Dalton Kincaid situation? Because the name value difference, like, is that going to be enough to get it done? That might be something that I explored doing. I'd, I'd, I'd at least him propose
1: himself. it. You might get mm-hmm. laughed out of the room. They might just say no, uh, or they might, you know, who knows? Maybe like, oh, I, I, is, I'm buying low on Dallas Goddard. I mean, you right. certainly would offer Kyle Pitts in this situation. Uh, yes. yeah, uh, you know, Generational talent. You can still say that. But uh, unfortunately, I think it. You know, we're not going to see that this year. I think the health is an issue with Pitts, too, by the way. Um, but it's interesting seeing these these rookie tight ends kick in a little bit there. Uh, one that hasn't is Michael Meyer. Uh, I, I've i been surprised at how little he's getting used by the Raiders.
2: Yeah, his name has completely disappeared from the radar, hasn't it? I don't feel like I've heard anyone talking about him recently because he's not, not doing anything. They're not using him. And it drives me nuts because that offense featured Darren Waller when Waller was there. Mm-hmm. And then you have... Michael Meyer come in and you expect him to at least be a part of the offense and right now he's not I mean he's like completely off the fantasy radar especially in redraft he's nowhere close to producing so he's not someone that I would recommend that anyone go and look for at this point that passing game is Devonte Adams and Josh Jacobs getting more involved in the passing game this year than he has that's basically what they're doing to throw the ball they're not yep. looking at their at their tight end. Yeah,
1: and with O'Connell, who knows uh, that, that probably delays it. I mean, Jacobs was getting a ton of talents, against, uh, targets against the char- Chargers. I think we might see Meyer at the end of the season, but you know it, it may be a while. How about uh, Washington and Pittsburgh? Now that it sounds like we're not going to have Fryer move this week.
2: Yeah, Darnell Washington, maybe he finally gets gets on the field and starts showing. Uh, he's athletically gifted. Talking about athletically gifted tight ends, he's huge and is incredibly athletic. So maybe he gets on the field and they start going through things a little bit more with him, but the Pittsburgh offense right now is so dysfunctional with everything that's been going on. The play calling has not been great. Everyone was panning Matt Canada last week, especially for the first half and the play calling out there. And now it looks like Mitch Trubisky might be in at quarterback. So I don't know how much faith I'm going to put in Darnell Washington getting his first starting opportunity with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. It's just not a good mix.
1: Right. And so it's it's not really actionable right now because a keeper league, dynasty league, Washington's already rostered. And in yeah. a standalone league, you can't use them this week. It's a tough spot to be. I guess you, you, you have, I guess here, our, our scenario again is the NFFC, you know, where you have 20 man roster spots. He's available there. And you're, you're parking him to, that hopefully he shows something that encourages the Steelers to use him more in the future. But I think it's going to be a while otherwise there.
2: I think it's a tough sell because we know that they love Pat Friermuth. So when Pat Friermuth does come back from injury, even if Darnell Washington has a great game this week, I have a hard time thinking they're going to immediately look at the situation and say, yes, he's a better tight end than Pat Friermuth. It's probably not going to happen. So there's just not enough. I know mouths to feed is such a cliche, but in that offense with the wide receivers that they have with uh, Najee Harris getting a good amount of volume with Pat Friermuth, and an offense that doesn't have a whole lot of attempts per game right now because they're not able to sustain long drives, I don't see Darnell Washington really being viable anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, they already said they're going to slow play him anyhow coming back from the injury at Georgia, so it, it kind of makes sense. Any other tight end uh, that you, uh, at the position here? Anyone else that you're thinking might be ascendant that we can keep an eye on?
2: Mm, tight end position? Uh, let's see. There's no one that's really immediately come to mind. Um, I do actually, you know, I think that Noah Fant has shown a, an ability to make big plays. He's not getting a lot of volume, but they are using him every once in a while and taking advantage of his athleticism and, and drawing up some some deep passing attempts for him. So that might be a situation where he continues to earn more targets in the offense and with the efficiency that he's showing early in the year he becomes somewhat viable as like a streaming option or something along those lines. I don't think he's going to pop and be like a top eight tight end or anything like that, but it's possible that in some good matchups, he might be something where, where he uh, is able to put up some fantasy points.
1: Right on. Um, Yeah. It's tough to find these guys. (laughs) It absolutely is right now. That's the problem. We're like, Oh, I can't, I need to make a change, but change to what? I mean, that's really the part of the big problem there. We are on the blue wire network. Here are a couple of their spots right now.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: As always, we are thankful for being on the blue wire network. Thank you for your patience and listening to their ads or our little pause. If you're uh, paying attention live here, uh, let's move off tight ends. Let's start looking at some of the other places here. It's a panic sort of driven week right now. We're on bye. some teams are one and three and struggling a little bit there. You got Ramondre Stevenson. You spent a third or a fourth round pick on him. How high is your panic level right now?
2: I'm not incredibly panicked about Ramondre. If you look at his schedule, three of his first four games were against Philly, the jets and Dallas, which are very good defenses. Uh, He's getting usage, although his efficiency is very low right now, but he is also still seeing work in the passing game. So I think brighter days are ahead from what we've seen early in the season on Ramondre Stevenson. I I understand if you're panicking in terms of what you're looking at right now, but in terms of long-term for the season, he's still someone that I have confidence in. He is the guy in that offense and is capable of catching as well. So like I said, especially in PPR leagues or half PPR leagues, I'm not really panicking on Armandre Stevenson. I'm I'm assuming that he's going to turn things around. Those efficiency metrics will start to come up when he's not facing as tough defenses.
1: I hope you're right. Um, My panic level is a little high right now. I just hate watching New England play. I really can't stand watching that offense go right now. It's just there's no flow to it at all. No, it's not good. Not a good product. No. Uh, A product that's pretty good is the Houston Texans. But Damian Pierce has had a hard time getting going. Now I know he had a touchdown called off due to a penalty last week that would have made his day a lot better against the Steelers. But running the ball, it's still we're we're, we're talking about a, a you know a situ- a hard time here, and it's not necessarily his fault. It's just this offensive line's really banged up.
2: Yeah, yeah it it has been really banged up. It looks like they're getting some reinforcements back at practice this week. Um, I think I saw it was uh, Laramie Tunsil was on his way back. Into practice, so that's encouraging. The volume is there, and with running backs, volume is king. And if you have a running back that's getting a lot of carries, your floor is high. Last week, he had 24 carries, even with a banged up offensive line, and even with CJ Stroud really taking off as a passer. So, I don't think they're abandoning him, I don't think they're leaving him, you know, in the dust, and that his usage is going to come plummeting down. So, those opportunities are going to be there, and this offense with Stroud looks great. They're capable of getting down into the red zone, so the scoring opportunities are going to be there as well. So, I'm not I'm not panicked. I'm not panicked on on Pierce.
1: Okay, good. Um I'm not either. I think his skill level is the same. I it's just a question of does he get a little bit more help up front, I think. Uh and there's no one there to take the job. Like Devin Singletary, he's just going right. to do what Devin Singletary does. There's not like this young running back that they drafted or anything like that. Not, you know, they spent their draft capital on Tank Dell instead, and wisely. Uh so yeah. like that you know Stroud pounded the table for him. So we'll see what happens with that. Najee Harris. Um, uh, does he continue to lose snaps to Jalen Waddle? <laughs>
2: yeah. Um Jalen Warren, not Warren. wrong team. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> wrong, wrong Jalen. Yeah. Um, Najee, I am a little concerned about. Um his workload is there, but he he hasn't been, been turning it on. Now, what's really interesting about him? is that the efficiency has actually been better than it has been in, in past years. I think he's around 4.3 yards a carry. So his number is getting a little bit better there. He is rattling off some bigger plays. He actually is leading the league on runs of 15 plus yards. He has six of them. So the big plays have been there. It's it's all of these short losses and getting stuffed at the line. That's creating a big issue. So I don't think he's a, a, RB1. I don't think you can count on him to be that. I think he's a low end RB2 probably for the rest of the season at this point. I do think that Warren is going to get in there and get some touches. But I do think that this week without uh, without Pickett in there with them having to rely on Mitch Trubisky, I do think we could see him have a really high volume game. So right. I do like Najee for a good bounce back this week. And maybe that gets him back on track for the rest of the season and we can kind of cool down all the panic that's that's surrounding him right now. But yep. There, there are reasons to be concerned. I agree. I agree. Um,
1: and I, I kind of bought into the notion that Pittsburgh's offensive line was improved over last year, and that hasn't proven to be the case. Uh, shame on me. You know, I, sh- I just assumed improvement, I guess, and that's probably a bad idea to do. Um, and I, it still has Matt Canada. You know, and th- th- that's that's the other overriding. Issue. Yeah.
2: How he still is calling plays is beyond me. I don't understand it
1: yeah i mean it's just it is crazy that long streak of sub 400 yard games it's just it's amazing to me julio mclaughlin is like the trendy pickup this week or maybe not trendy he's the only pickup this week among running backs that i've seen it's it's a dark it's a tough week uh do you buy into mclaughlin
2: um i kind of do i mean what he's been able to show is is really promising um I think that he is a part of that offense here going forward that needs to be taken a little bit more seriously. Um, Mm -hmm. What he is doing is impressive. He had 92 yards. He has 92 yards on the season on only 13 carries. So the explosive plays, the 7.1 yards per carry is obviously an unsustainable number, but it shows that he's capable of, of these bigger plays and he needs to, because he's a smaller back. He's five, seven listed at 187 pounds. So he's not big but what he can do is rattle off the big plays. And for him to be able to do that uh, has been really impressive. Now he has a matchup against the jets this week, and that's scary for me. So I could see the shine wearing off really quickly. Um, But I do think that he is someone that is working his way into the offense. And I do think that he's a name that at least is worth, he's worth picking up. He's worth putting on your bench and seeing if he continues to get more opportunities in that offense.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I I like that he's a good pass catcher too. He looked pretty good in the receiving part of the game, and I, I like his open field running a lot. Yeah, he he yeah. he he. You know, the he passed the eye test for at the very least, uh, albeit against the Bears, where um
2: maybe it might be slightly easier to pass the eye test a little bit there. Well, going from Bears to Jets is quite the jump in in competition level. So we'll see how he responds.
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, just but hey. I mean, it's bye weeks, injuries. He might be, he's the only pickup game in town. Is there any other running back that's kind of ascendant? Another guy you've been keeping your eye on that might be starting to either, either uh, you can trade for a little less expensive or, you know, maybe even be available in some thinner leagues?
2: Yeah, I'm actually paying attention to what's going on with the New York Jets. And I think that Michael Carter might be a name to watch as the season progresses because Dalvin Cook has not looked right. Um, he seems to so have fallen off cliff. It's just not there. And he's very expensive. So I could almost see them releasing him at some point based on how much money they gave him. And if that's the case, Carter's the de facto number two. I know they just drafted Israel abanaconda but he hasn't even been active for the games yet. So to me, it's Michael Carter would be the next guy up. He's still involved in the in the game a little bit right now. He's getting a, a couple targets a game, you know, he's getting on the field. Um But I'm paying attention. They want that second running mate to go along with Brees Hall, even though they're saying that they're going to turn him loose this week, turn loose Brees. But I do think that Michael Carter is a name to keep an eye on. If you have spots on the bench, maybe he's worth a speculative ad now. But if you're in a thinner league, like shorter benches, probably not yet, but at least it's something to keep an eye on as the the year goes forward.
1: Seeing Dalvin Cook's decline is... Just another sad reminder that running backs do decline. It's, you know, relatively young age compared to other positions and, and it, quickly, it just, yeah, just, absolutely.
2: When it's not there, when they lose that half step, it goes quick. And yep. it's, it's really, really sad to see
1: Todd Gurley agrees with that statement for sure. <sighs> yeah. Talk so about quick fall from grace there. Unfortunately, we're going to pivot over to quarterbacks, but first it's football season at Circa resort and casino in Las Vegas Featuring the best pool in history, Stadium Swim. Three levels, six pools, and a 143-foot diagonal screen. (laughs) Stadium Swim is America's favorite place to watch football, playing every game from college to the pros. Catch all the action poolside from a variety of seating options, including everything from cozy day beds to private temperature-controlled cabanas. Stadium Swim, located at Circa Resort Casino, is open 365 days a year. All sports, all seasons. Book today at circuitlosvegas.com. That's circuitlosvegas.com. We were there last past summer for the uh, Rotowire conference that we do every year. Uh John was there this year. It's two years in a row for Rotowire at Circa. We love it there. It's a great place. Yeah. I was sitting here just nodding my
2: head as you're talking about Stadium Swim because that was one of the most fun days I've had in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 hung out around that pool. We, yes, sir. we got to see some uh some home run derby action up on the giant screen. That was yeah. uh, it was a blast
1: yeah I, I love that i love circa and i and then i went out there the like late like a month later to do Sirius xm's event there on radio row for their survivor contest i'm playing Circa survivor uh, nick Williams doing circa million so uh you know we're we're involved with their games and they, they we've had drafts there it's it's a great place uh big you know this is definitely a sponsor that i i'd personally recommend quite a bit so big stuff there uh yep. let's let's talk quarterbacks here um uh, it's bye weeks i have justin herbert in leagues where I have Justin Herbert, I almost rarely have a backup, uh, unless I, like I took a flyer on Stroud because he or Richardson if he was available in like thinner leagues. But for the most part, I'm scrambling this week to try to find
2: pickups because I have a lot of Herbert in my life. Who would you recommend as a stream for this week? Well, first and foremost, I'm happy to hear that you have a lot of Herbert. That's a very smart choice. He's fantastic. Yes. Uh, as a backup option here, uh, I've got one that might sound a little gross, but I think it's going to work for you. I would I would go get Sam Howell. I think that he's got a matchup against the Chicago Bears on Thursday night, and the Bears' defense is atrocious. Sam Howell struggles when teams are getting pressure, and no one is getting less presser, pressure than Chicago. Uh, so far to start the year, they're generating a sack – At a 1.55% clip, their sack rate is the lowest in the NFL. To give some context, the team that has the second worst sack rate is the New York Giants at 3.25. So they're like just a full tier down in their ability to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. The secondary is also incredibly banged up for Chicago. They're missing multiple people. And they've got talent with Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin. So Sam Howell, I think, might have the best game of his young NFL career on Thursday night against Chicago.
1: I like it because I've already identified how is my pivot in many cases here and uh, got Let's him go. in one place already uh, doing the best I can with that. In one league, he was gone. So I had to get really dirty here and I picked up Zach Wilson in the league. Ooh!
2: wow. Denver. Well, hey, guess who? Yeah. Guess who they're playing, right? Yeah. You target the defenses and uh, yeah. that, that's a good, good play.
1: Yeah. It, well, we'll see. It's, it's, it's very unseemly doing it there, but it was that, or, you know, Mac Jones against the saints. No thanks on that. Uh, well,
2: Garrett, Garrett Wilson's going to go get you like 150 yards and two touchdowns against that Denver secondary. And guess who's throwing him the ball. Zach let's Wilson, go.
1: So. Let's go. I hope you're right about that. I need, I also have a lot of Garrett Wilson in my life, so that would be uh doubly beneficial there. So um, it'd be nice to see him freed a little bit. I also think Brees Hall is going to go nuts this week. I think this is, yeah, I do too. I think he's a DFS play. Um I think he's this is this is the week you've been waiting for if you've been like you know really struggling the like weeks 2 and 3 where you know Hall got like three touches, three carries or something of that nature. This is where he get well. So, uh especially cuz it sounds some like, training wheels off.
2: Yep, sounds like there's no uh no pitch count for him this week, so I agree. Big big yeah. breakout game.
1: Rams and Eagles provide a, a pretty tricky setup here. We've been if you have Matthew Stafford, life's been pretty good for you so far. Uh, but the Eagles are nasty. I mean, their secondary may need a little bit of work, but uh for the most part, this is this is not a great matchup. This pass rush against a somewhat gimpy Stafford
2: kind of scares me. What are you doing with these guys this week? I think it's one of those situations where he's been so good to start the year and Puka Nakua has just come out of nowhere and has been a revelation they've been so good and have put up so many points that i don't think you can take them out of your lineup unless you happen to have great options but with Mm -hmm. bye weeks i don't know that you're going to have those options so i think you got to play them but temper your expectations i agree with you the pass rush for philly is just nasty and stafford is not a mobile quarterback so you said the, the secondary might need a little bit of help. It doesn't matter if the quarterback doesn't have time to throw it. It's true. And and Philly gets home really fast. So there is some uh, some reason to be concerned there. But I, I think you got to roll with it and just hope they're able to to turn in a decent performance.
1: For sure. Um. And uh, I, I think that that's, that's my path. That's what I'm looking at there as well. The leagues where I have Nakua or even Tutu, I'm probably starting. I'm less consoled I'm less on Tutu Atwell than I am Nakua, but we'll see. Now, Cooper Cup what do you expect out of him
2: that's a great question i don't know <laughs> like yeah. but we have no idea what it's going to look like you have Pukunakua seeing an insane target volume that was previously cooper cup's so what's this workload going to look like we know how talented cooper cup is when he's back and when he's active and in the game you have to put him in your fantasy lineup in case he does come back and is cooper cup so I have no idea what the workload is going to look like. I think Puka Nakua has earned himself a great target share. I think he will easily remain at least like the the second option on the team if Cooper Cup is going back to being the number one guy. But what's he going to look like when he gets on the field? Is he going to be full speed? Is he going to have the ability to to make quick cuts? Is he still going to be the route runner that he was? Because he doesn't rely on his athleticism. He's not a super fast wide receiver. He's a smart, savvy route runner. So can he still do that? Coming off the injury, it's going to be fascinating. I have no idea what it's going to look like, but we're going to learn a lot. I think in the in the first game that Cooper Cup's back.
1: Yeah, uh, agreed. Uh, and they may ease him in too. He might be on a like a snap count of his own when yep. he first comes back. I know you know he came back too soon the last time with that. So I, I almost feel like you're going to see Cup practice this week and come back in week six. I think that that's like the path most likely. Him and Jonathan Taylor both, to be honest. I and I know Taylor he's practicing now, but he's not off the pup list yet. Uh, they don't have to make a decision on that until, you know, they could do it Sunday morning, you know, or maybe I think it's Saturday with the pup list. I think it's the day before you have to make that decision. So we'll see. Uh, but I, I expect both of these guys to do practice for a week and then play the next week. I think that's the path most likely.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, that's going to be so fascinating. Pukunuku has been so dominant to, to start his career. Do they go away from him? I don't know that you can at this point. He's been your best playmaker by far. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they divvy up those targets.
1: For sure, 100%. So we'll, we'll wait and see on that. We've got a bunch of uh, wide receiver topics we want to hit, and then we'll hit your Q&As. Uh, we got a lot of questions in the chat. We'll hit those at the end of the podcast here for those that are streaming live with us. But first, quick note from our friends at Rival Fantasy. If you're looking for a place to play head-to-head fantasy football games without the huge tournaments, salary caps, or complicated game types, then Rival Fantasy is where you want to play this NFL season. From a twist on a classic game with Fantasy Bingo, where players generate a lineup to complete achievements and get bingo, to -to head-to-head fantasy challenges, where you'll pick which of two players will score more fantasy points, this is the best of fantasy sports. For the 2023 NFL season, Rival Fantasy is offering new users a $200 deposit match plus a $25 first play voucher. Rival Fantasy is so confident you'll love the experience, they're giving you money to play out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on rival fantasy and become a rival today. I'm here with John Hellcamp. We are talking all things week five. We're moving on to wide receivers here. Chris Olave is coming off his worst game as a pro one catch last week. Uh, Derek Carr was playing with the bum shoulder. You could see it a lot of times doing a lot of checkdowns. The one time he threw downfield, Olave he left it a little bit short when Olave had a good solid step and a half on the defender. Defender came back, broke up the pass when the lobby went to catch it there. That's the risk I see happening, you know, and I don't know how much better it's going to be this week with Carr's strained AC joint. How worried are you?
2: Uh, I would be less worried if they just put Jameis Winston in the game and let Derek Carr get right because we know that Jameis is going to play Yolo ball. He had one pass attempt last last week, and what did he do? Hucked it down the field into double coverage for an interception. He's going to throw the ball. We know that. So if they put Jameis in, I'm fine with Olave, but if Carr's in there with this banged up shoulder, he did not look right, especially on the deep pass attempts, like you said. So I, I'm concerned if if Carr's in there.
1: Yeah, me too. Quite a bit, and I and I think Carr. I think Carr's going to go full on Yolo, uh, like I, I I can't let the team down, sort of mentality just like uh, Baker Mayfield did a couple of years ago, like Burrow's doing this year. Um, I I worry about that quite a bit.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the best thing for him, just take a seat and get right because clearly the shoulder is not there right now. So without that, I mean, that was one of the reasons I was so excited about Derek Carr going to the Saints is because he does love throwing the deep ball. And I was sitting there salivating about what it was going to do for Chris Olave. But if the shoulders hurt and the deep ball is not there, it's really concerning because I don't I don't know what level of of big plays are going to happen in this offense. Uh, maybe they rely more on shorter pass attempts this week now that they know that he's injured. If he's going to be in the game, Kamara had like 14 targets I think it was last week. So maybe it's more of that and drawing stuff up for Olave just to get him the ball in space and see if he can create on his own. But yeah, I'm I'm going to be missing those uh, those big play downfield throws uh, if Carr's shoulder still hurt
1: yeah same 14 targets 33 yards I mean it, it's just you know it was the argument against having a PPR league a full point yeah. PPR league basically um yeah. you got let I think he had 11 catches uh for 33 yards which is just sick uh yeah. doesn't help the team that much uh also uh, while we're talking about concern levels concern level with jamar Chase if you have him with Joe burrow clearly compromised right now.
2: The thing about Jamar Chase and uh, everyone that hears me talk about Jamar Chase still likes to remind me that I was very low on him coming out of college, mm-hmm. uh, which I've atoned to a thousand times, by the way. Thank you very much. Jamar Chase is an incredible wide receiver at the NFL level. He's done nothing but prove that. One of the things that he's been able to do the best in his young career is the the deep throws. The completion percentage on like contested catches downfield and stuff like that have been incredible for Jamar Chase. Similarly to what I'm feeling about Olave with that offense, I feel the same way about Cincinnati because as long as Burrow is hampered and can't get the ball downfield, he can't drive it, those big plays aren't going to be there. Now we saw Jamar Chase, I think it was two weeks ago, still have uh, a ton of volume. So I think that's still going to be there. I don't think you can bench Jamar Chase no matter how banged up Joe Burrow is looking because he's going to be the the go-to guy, especially with T Higgins hurt right now too. So chase is going to continue to get the work. We just have to hope that at some point burrows calf is able to, to rest up. I, I think at this point, he's just limping into his bye week I think they have a week six bye, don't they Cincinnati? Um, I, I wish
1: they did. I thought it's a little later. I have to double check on that one there, but, uh,
2: maybe I'm wrong, but I, at this point I don't see him coming out of the, out of, the game, unless he has like a major setback, uh, with that, with that. Now it's not week six, they week have, se- uh, it's week seven. You're it's not too week far seven. off
1: Yeah. Okay. So week they seven. get the Cardinals this week, they get the Seahawks next week and then they're, they're on the bye uh, on the, the week in week seven. And then they go at the Niners after that. And then the bills after that. So this bye week can't come soon yeah. enough.
2: Yeah. He needs it. He needs to just do a week straight of uh therapy on that thing and see if he can, if he can get right. Because you that stretch of games coming out of the bye is going to be brutal. If they're not able to turn it around going into the bye week it's, it's not going to end well for them this year.
1: Michael Wilson uh, for the Cardinals, the Bengals opponent this week was my top target in free agency, uh, even ahead of Jamison Williams, because Williams, I don't know what he's going to do this year where Michael Wilson, I feel like he can help you right now. How, how convinced are you that Michael Wilson can help us?
2: I'm, I'm very impressed. He's, Basically a one B in that offense right now to Rondell Moore, maybe is yep. even overtaking him as their best their best target. He's incredible. I love him. I, he was one of my favorite rookie sleepers uh, coming into the league this year. He's a violent route runner. Like he's so explosive and has great hands. He's he's proved it. He did it last week. Two touchdowns. I don't have his exact stat line in front of me, but he's he's earned a significant role in this offense. And I think that Josh Dobbs relies on him, trusts him, and is looking for him. Often. So yeah, I think right now you fire Michael Wilson up as a wide receiver too. I think that's the way that he's playing. Yeah. And you might even see Hollywood Brown get traded,
1: uh, at the deadline mm-hmm. too, given the the trajectory of the Cardinals, um, they already are you know, going to have a lot of high draft picks next year. Um, they, I think they, uh,
2: if they can add one more, I think they probably should. Cause I don't think Hollywood Brown's someone you build around. No, I don't think so. And I don't think that he wants to be there much anymore. So yeah, I could definitely see that happening at the, at the trade deadline.
1: Yeah. So uh, even more, more target volume for Michael Wilson. And if, if that's the case. Plus he's a different type of player than everybody else on that Brown. I mean, on that uh, I was looking at Brown, but the name Brown was like <laughs> on that Cardinals team. Um, any other plays you like for week five, whether it's wide receiver or anywhere else?
2: Yeah, I'm just I'm going to stay with the Arizona Cardinals, and I got to hype up James Connor a little bit because he just continues to perform. I know he had a down week last week against mm-hmm. San Francisco with a really really tough defense, but so far this year, he's averaging 5.1 yards per carry. He's fourth in the league in runs of 10 plus yards. He's uh, rattling off um, yards after contact, contact at an incredibly high clip. Um, he's the RB 14 even after that down week against san francisco and i feel like no one's talking about him as being a fringe rb1 guy and that's the way that he's been playing since the middle of last season actually he's been going back to the middle of last year he's been putting up consistently great performances where he's around 100 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown it seems like almost every week so james Connor's is another one i i love it and i think that cincinnati really banged up like you said um their defense is not an elite defense. It's not an incredibly easy defense, but I think that he should find more room to operate than he did against San Francisco and get back to to putting up big numbers.
1: Yeah, we saw uh, Derek Henry finally get well against them last week, some missed tackles, especially on that touchdown run. Uh, you saw even earlier in the season, like the Browns, well, of course, Nick Chubb makes any run defense look bad but uh you've you seen run you know the ravens run the ball very effectively against the bengals too uh so i, I agree i think that's a, that's a pretty good spot um we're gonna hit us up some q a you good for taking some of these uh lineup and trade questions yeah yeah definitely let's go to it here uh straight up at the top cruz garcia asked would you drop uh elijah moore for quentin johnston
2: oof I think that I would. Um, I think that Quinton Johnston <clears throat> was drafted with good capital, and I know that he hasn't been seeing a lot of work early. But I think that now knowing that Mike Williams is going to be out of there, I think that Quentin Johnston's role is going to continue to expand as the year goes on. And I think that uh, they're going to start looking at him more as a big play X kind of receiver on the outside. So, yeah, I think that's probably something that I would do.
1: I agree. And so many times you see rookies have bigger roles coming out of the break, too, after after yep. their are by. And uh, it's I think the timing is fortuitous for the Chargers, not just with the Herbert injury, but also try to get Johnson more involved. Agreed completely
2: there. Mike asks, uh, start HN or James Cook? Both. Who's the other player that you're not starting or, you know, that's starting over these guys right now? I think yeah. both of these running backs have been two of the most explosive guys in the league, you have to play them. Um, if you are absolutely forced to start one, I don't know how you don't play a right now with, with what he's been able to do and how explosive that offense has been, but both of them are just great options. I, I think you got to find a way to get both into your lineup.
1: Yeah. And I figure Miami's going to be playing with the lead this week against the giants, which means a lot more running attempts, probably. So um, yeah, I agreed. I think this could be a big, big week for H H&M for sure. Uh, let's go to uh, Duffy. He asked a trade question, trade Derrick Henry and Drake London for Deandre Swift and
2: Calvin Ridley. Which side would you prefer to be on? Oof. Uh, so both of them have very high octane running backs and wide receivers that are disappointing. I'd probably take the Swift and Ridley side of this because Swift is attached to a Philly offense. That's yeah. much better than tennessee's and ridley is attached to a much better quarterback than drake london is so i think i would probably take the swift and and ridley side of this trade
1: yeah i think so too um so by the way anthony uh, says we were talking about dalton kincaid and i suggested would you do uh kincaid for Goddard. he goes as a kincaid owner i would say i wouldn't do it for dallas goddard so there you go um anybody's got dalton kincaid still has that endowment uh in effect there it doesn't want to get rid of them for sure, so it might be hard to pull that trade off. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Adam says, "Will you trade Amon Ra for Jamar Chase?" Interesting because Amon Ra's got an undisclosed injury. Uh, Campbell Campbell's being pretty tight lipped about. We'll find out more in the injury report soon on that. But uh, it's it, it's a buy low. On, this is what a buy low on Jamar Chase looks like.
2: Are, are you willing to do it? I'm not right now. Um, I well, I'm I'm also a, a giant Amon Ra homer. Okay. Uh, coming out of that draft class, I had Amon Ra ranked higher than Jamar Chase. So, this Ooh. is a really funny one for me. Um, and Amon Ra's hit. He's been incredible. Um, high volume guy, explosive plays has been great. And that offense right now is cooking. Whereas Cincinnati is struggling because of the Joe Burrow injury. And then, like you pointed out, the slew of games that they have coming out of there, their buy is no easy feat either. So, i Jamar Chase is incredible when everything's going right. But right now, it's not going right. So, I'm assuming that this is a redraft question. I'd rather have a Monroe St. Brown uh, right now than Jamar Chase. All right. Very good.
1: Tyler Sperry says uh, Jalen Waddle. I got this is the right Jalen. Okay. This time or (laughs) or Michael Pittman Uh, uh, Jalen Waddle or Michael Pittman this week. Let's start with that.
2: Uh, It's Waddle. He's too good. The Miami offense is too good. If Waddle's healthy, you play him.
1: Yep, and then defense. Uh, Packers against the the Raiders, where they might be going. Aiden O'Connell again. We'll see. Jimmy G on Monday was in the uh, concussion protocol. Dolphins against uh, the Giants or the Lions, home against that Panthers and their sieve-like offensive line.
2: Three good. Boy, options. Those are three really good options. Uh, thanks for giving me the opponents, by the way, so I didn't have to go look those up. Um, that's a really tough one. I. I think I would probably go with the Lions defense. I think nothing's yeah. going right for the Giants right now. And Daniel Jones is turning the ball over a ton. So I think the Lions defense is due. And that that pass rush is very good. And the offensive line for the Giants is very not. So I think that the Lions defense is going to get home and get a few sacks, get a turnover or two out of the game. I, I think you're going to have a good, good production there.
1: I did a Chris Harris's podcast yesterday, and we were talking about streaming defenses in Detroit it was my top option too. Uh, I, I like all three of those though i mean it, sometimes you get like uh, i guess i'll stream these guys and then i end up with my fourth choice anyhow this week i had three really good choices and i was replacing the browns defense in a lot of places too so worked out pretty well uh let's go uh jeff phillips says should i trade uh kenneth walker and cd lamb for chris olave and austin eckler uh walker on by eckler on by Eckler's obviously been hurt for a while uh and Olave. I mean, lamb. I mean, he's not getting the target volume. I was kind of expecting this year, uh, which is a little frustrating. What do you think about
2: this trade? I think it's a really interesting one Um, to me. I think that I'm still rolling with the Kenneth Walker and CD lamb side of this deal, even though Eckler is fantastic. Olave. We have concerns right now with, with the quarterback health and stuff like that, that's going on Mm -hmm. CD's volume has to increase. It just has to, he's their number one guy. And Kenneth Walker is not relinquishing anything out of that backfield to Zach Charbonnet, other than a couple late garbage time runs that happened this last week. So Kenneth Walker's looking like a stud. He's breaking tackles all over the place, getting a lot of touches in the red zone, getting touchdowns. I think that I'm sticking with CeeDee Lamb and Kenneth Walker.
1: I agree. And I think regarding Lamb, um, McCarthy calling the plays is bothersome. I think the passing volume is down a little bit. But also, look at who they've played so far. They had a blowout win over the Giants, where it was done by halftime, uh, so they didn't need to throw, especially in the rain. Then you had another blowout win over the Jets, and then this last week you had the blowout win over the Pats again, where the game wasn't competitive in the second half. They they even they 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 were able to rest Dak in this game. Of course, the volume is going to be down for uh, Lamb in this sort of game. We have two defensive touchdowns. Um, you
2: know that takes away from all the passing stats. And by the way, when they went up against the best defense that they've played this year. Mm-hmm. it was the New York Jets and that was his 11 catch for a 143 yard game. Yeah. So exactly. he's the They've guy in that offense. Yeah, they need him.
1: Yeah. So be be patient with Lamb. Good days are coming basically and hey, they're going to need him this week against the Niners. Can't wait for that game. Should be a, a real test of that Dallas offense and you know, only you know, you know the Arizona game maybe uh, they they won't I think they learned, hopefully they learned from that Arizona game. You can't just continually run the ball in the red zone like they did, especially if they're trailing like they did. Uh, but anyhow, this is Q and a time, not my Jeff commentary time. So let's keep moving. <laughs> uh, Ray Ray says, would you trade Pollard and George Kittle for ETN and Eckler already has Laporta?
2: Yes, I would do that. All uh, right. Kittle is, I think more, more name than substance at this point in terms of the volume that he's seeing in that offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in redraft Laporta over Kittle for the rest of the year, shouldn't be that much of a hot take based on what we're seeing right now. And then you're getting ETN and Eckler out of that for, for Pollard. I know Pollard's incredible, but I don't think Eckler's that far behind him and ETN's, you know, due to get right and, uh, and get some stuff going in that offense too. Indeed.
1: Uh, Caswell corner says Kyron and Marquise Brown for Keenan Allen and Gibbs.
2: Yeah. Give me Allen and Gibbs. Um, I think Gibbs role will continue to expand as the season goes on. Um, not a ton. I don't think he's taking it over from Montgomery. They love having the hammer in that offense like they did last year. Uh, but Keenan Allen is, is just dominant this year. He's getting fed in that offense with, with Justin Herbert. So I'd take the Allen side. Yeah. Kellen Moore
1: loves Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen loves Kellen Moore right back. Uh, Bryce Bruce asks, uh, Would you trade Richardson and Keenan for Devonte HN or or Fields Keenan for Ridley HN? Two part. Yeah, I guess it's this. Which which HN trade would you prefer? I guess
2: I don't know that I would give up Keenan in any of those deals. I don't think that I would. Um, I'm really big on Devonta Smith. I love him, but. Keenan Allen's volume right now is just insane. So I I'm I think I think I'm keeping the the Keenan side on both of those trades.
1: I, I agree. Uh Ian Taylor says pick two, Zay Flowers, Gibbs or James Cook.
2: Uh gimme Zay and Cook this Agreed. week. I don't think Gibbs has the volume quite yet.
1: Yeah, well, it, it, you know Montgomery comes back from an injury, and they give him like thirty-two carries. I mean, it was yeah. pretty telling that how much they love Montgomery there. So very yeah. interesting. Uh, thanks for the tip here from Big Body Birds. He uh, has a PPR three for one question. Uh, question: uh, Trade Mostert or, or PPR three dash one? Trade Mostert for Watson or Godwin? I trade him. For, I trade Mostert for Godwin pretty readily, don't you?
2: Yeah, I think I think that I would do that also. Um yeah, I have a hard time thinking that Mostert's gonna kind of sustain what he's been doing in that offense. I think that Devin Austin How do how do we pronounce his name, by the way? I've heard it five ways he, different he, he you ways. Know,
1: and A-chan. the funny thing is the official guide at the beginning of the season this beginning of the season said a chain, but then he corrected it after the big game against Denver. It's like it's it's actually a chain So I guess basically he did, he went you know, rookies sometimes just go with the flow. They stay humble. Whatever you want to call it, you know, I'll, I'll go to it. And then he's like, no, it's HM. So
2: there you go. It's HM. And I, I, it, I think it, he it he waited. He waited to uh, announce his presence. And he goes, oh, by the way, yeah. now that I've had the big game, this is how you pronounce my name? Yeah, I like it. Exactly.
1: Last question. Bryce Peak asks, should I trade Amari Cooper for Jalen Waddle?
2: That's kind of splitting hairs a little bit. I don't know that that's really... A massive difference. I would take Waddle just based on the offense. Mm-hmm. That's probably the route that I would go. I know, I know Tyreek Hill is just otherworldly right now. But Waddle's gonna get a lot of volume too. And that offense operating with so much speed. Um, Waddle being a big part of that speed, I think that I would take Waddle for the rest of the season over Amari Cooper. Yeah. Uh
1: big body birds, we're gonna give a follow-up with him because he uh he was so kind to us earlier there. Uh this will be our actual last one there. Uh 4-0 went a league with Herbert. Uh, would you consider trading Olave or uh, Tay for Keenan uh, or Keenan and Cooper since the team he's trading is so in for? Um, what do you think about this?
2: Well, this apparently has turned into the Keenan Allen hour uh, here yeah. at RotoWire. wire um, But yeah, I think I have Devontae Adams maybe just barely ahead of Keenan Allen rest of season. But if you could give up Olave for Keenan, I'm doing that. I I think that that's a pretty easy trade, in my opinion, to take Keenan Allen over Chris Olave this year.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't at the at at the draft table. Is the funny thing, at least not for me. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was going like a full round ahead of Keenan Allen. I kept on missing out on Olave in most leagues because the price kept on rising. Um, And Keenan Allen was like, "Okay, I'll take that price." And the leagues, and it's funny because I came into draft season thinking, "Okay, I'm not going to pay that price for Keenan Allen," but then. I kind of evolved my position later on. Um, So I got a couple shares late and those teams are
2: doing better. Shockingly enough. Yeah. Keenan Allen balling out continues to look great. And now without Mike Williams, I think it's just even more volume coming his way. I'll just, uh, my, my last Keenan Allen tidbit for you is that Keenan Allen is the one autographed Jersey that I own. Ah, me some Keenan Allen.
1: So, yeah, I don't, I don't I have a Jersey, uh, burrow. I've got an actual hockey sweater for Steve Eiserman and a, a Joey cool. Votto baseball uniform. Those are my only talking animals.
2: to my, my Red Wings heart, man. My mom's I from didn't, Detroit. I didn't know. All my
1: right. mom is from Detroit and she got me hooked on it on hockey. She's got Gordy Gordie. How terrible Ted Lindsay, Terry Sawchuk's autographs. My dad wow. didn't care, care at all about hockey. So I'm a wings fan. So uh, there you go. Cool. And we'll, we'll end on that peace in our times. I like it there. Uh big thanks to everybody for uh, chiming in. I love the question volume. Love all the live uh, streaming audience there. Appreciate you jumping in. Those of you listening to the podcast, appreciate you there too. Uh, if you want to take a peek at my rankings uh, or any of our other work at Rotowire, you can take a free peek behind the paywall. Just go to rotowire.com slash pod. No credit cards required. Just put in a valid email address. Off you go for a couple of days. We want you to kick the tires. Uh, see if you like it and hope you hope you want to subscribe. John, it was a a fun hour. It flew by. Thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good times. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We got, uh, of course, tomorrow, we got uh, Mario and John. Make sure to tune in. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Thank you guys for listening. Take care.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.